Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers from Faster Skier. It was a huge weekend for the launch of the World Cup season in the typical starting venue of Ruka. We've got full recaps of all six races that happened over the last three days, plus an interview and some insights from Eric Broughton, a Norwegian who has coached in Canada and is currently leading the Swiss men's team. Stay tuned. We'll be back with you right after this message. Lighter, better, faster. The new Speedmax Helium Ski from Fisher is the ultimate in race ski technology. The Speedmax Helium Skate Plus features a bi-directional air core and a redesigned World Cup tip, helping this revolutionary ski weigh in at less than 950 grams. Paired with the new Speedmax Boot, Fisher's Speedmax Helium Skis keep you staying stronger during your next long ski and can help you drop time during your next big race. Learn more about the new Speedmax Helium system at fishersports.com. Remember, skiing isn't a lifestyle, it's life. Jan Thomas Jensen, of course, is like the is kind of like the big story in some ways. Like he was the he was the spare for Shudapa and who like canceled at the last minute he comes in he wins and he doesn't just win in a fluke or anything like he has a tactically masterful race he's a great sprinter he knows he's a great sprinter compared to these other guys and he just sits there and pounces when it's perfect to pounce and comes away with the victory i think max novak is a cool story too like we need we need guys like that he's been knocking on the door the last few years yeah, and then I think Gus Schumacher. I want anyway, but anyway, we now I'm just all over the place. But, but no, we're um, we're we're just we're in it. You thought you thought this was the preamble, but we're in it. You talked about <laughs> Jensen yeah. skiing a tactically brilliant race. I mean, I, like compare that, for example, to like maybe Mika Vermeulen, who also had like a totally career epic result today, but maybe you know could have burned a few less matches. Totally, totally. He he could have burned a few less matches, but he put together a beautiful a beautiful competition and I feel really bad for these young Austrian athletes. I, I have to say that. I mean, I was in Seyfeld. I saw the videos of guys blood doping. I talked to Tromnistad at length um, about the fallout of this. I was also there in 2006 <clears throat> when there was a bunch of guys getting busted for doping. It has a horrendous history. And this guy is now like with, with um, the Ocker Dolly team, which I think is the, best move that could possibly happen to try and rebuild and he pops out a race like that today and he was been good in the other races like the tune-ups and stuff i think it's really really exciting the sport also needs that but man it's it's uh yeah i i feel bad for these young guys like Teresa Stadlover too man i feel bad for like being an austrian and and she does her holy like fully her own thing is not associated with with this horrendous history in austria but, um, man, Austrian cross-country skiing is quite the hole to dig themselves out of. But that said, yeah, not a not a beautifully tactical race by him, but uh, what a finish. And I thought it was an exciting race in general. At the same time, the 20K skate, I just, I'm, if you're going to do it, I wish they'd use the full 5K. I mean, I think the 2.5K just, but I see what Fist wants to do too. Like, so, a, like a curmudgeon like me wants to see like a Kruger, like, be able to do some damage and get some distance and see if we can wear people down. And you can't really do that on the half pipe course, which is just like up a hill around the flats and down. Um, but 
at the same time, it was exciting, right? Like it wasn't exciting finish. It was an exciting finish for the women too. I mean, it was an outrageously exciting finish for the women. Um, with like, oh my God, we, we're going to circle back to that because. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll, we'll do a separate podcast on Monday. No, no, no. But I mean, okay. I think I do have to just spend two seconds asking your, and I'm going to get, we're going to get hate mail to the max. Listen, the American skied so beautifully. Like Rosie Brennan also skied a tactically perfect race. She was deep, man. She was deep. She was actually like, I was like, oh my God, is she getting dropped a bit? She was like 10 seconds back. And when you're yeah. watching on the TV, she was like dangling. It looked, it looked like she was dangling. Obviously she wasn't because she was just pacing herself perfectly. You saw her on the last lap and a half, like Rosie was all over this thing. But uh, prior to that, I was like, I, I was holding my breath. It was super, super exciting with Rosie. And then for her to get her second podium in two days, like what a, a the Rosie story is just outrageous. I know we've spent like years, like people that have been listening to our podcast for a long time, and they're sick of me talking about how insane it is that someone that's been kicked off the national team and is like in their late twenties and can't crack the top 10 and is now into their mid thirties and is like podium, 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 but it is outrageous what Rosie's doing. So what a diamond in the rough for the American ski team. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, but I'm watching these races going like, especially today, like how gritty that was. I thought she was getting dropped, man. Yeah, I, I I got a couple text messages about this, and I also emailed Rosie because I was curious, and I I know other people were curious. I mean, I had the same reaction. I mean, she was she was like 10, 15 seconds off of the pace, and it was like, is Rosie getting dropped? And I, I don't know that. I, I think it. I think without hearing from her, it. I don't think you can say like maybe she wasn't having a hard time at the beginning of the race, but maybe she wasn't, maybe she was just being patient. I think like, but I think we need to hear from her and I, I haven't seen sort of anything to that. Yeah, yet, we'll, but we'll, we'll try and hear from her, but I, I totally, but, but um, I, what I was, looking at, what I was looking at, sorry, with the Rosie thing, just jumping on that. I think like I was holding my breath cause I'm a fan yeah. and it looked like she was dangling. Totally. Like she's a pro dude. I don't think she was dangling. I think this was managing her effort and looking who's leading and she now has the experience and she knows like Frida's up there drilling it. Diggins is up there drilling it. Ebba's trying to get away. And like, she's managing her effort like a total, total pro. And when it was time to show herself, she was right there, baby. And yeah. what a yeah. beautiful point. And Diggins, like I, we were texting yesterday. I'm like, Diggins is going to win this race guaranteed. I thought she looked so good in classic all weekend. Um, don't look at the results. Like just look at the way she was skiing and her angles and it's not easy in Cusimo man when it's snowing like that it gets really glazed in those tracks because there's so much humidity they're blowing a lot of snow for the alpine hill which like affects the cross-country trails like crazy and then there was some fresh snow falling and it's just kind of blowing around and like it is hard to ski well and we've seen Diggins not ski well in Cusimo almost every year in classic and this year man the two classic races I was like when the 20k skate comes like no one's going to touch her and I tip my hat to Ilar. What a start to the season for her, winning the Swedish Openers. We we sang her praises, and then her first podium is a World Cup victory by out sprinting Diggins, which is crazy. And up, this is where we need to get into it. This is where the hate mail comes. And we talked about this on the podcast before too a lot, but we have a drama problem in cross country skiing, and I blame Bjorn Dolly. I blame Bjorn Dolly for our drama problem that we have in cross country skiing. Or you know what? Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe that's what maybe that's the only thing we got going for us. But oh my God. Like Diggins is crushing this whole race. She gets her pole broken. 
she gets a spare pole, goes down that big hill at like 80K an hour with no glove. I don't know if you noticed that. Absolutely. Yeah. She has a spare pole. Then she like is completely beast mode. Although I was shocked that no woman attacked at the bottom of that hill, but we can leave that aside for a second. But anyways, she's right in it and then sprints and comes like super close second place. Beautiful performance by Diggins. But then we got to do the, and she had blood. I mean, like it, it looked narbar. It looked like it looked, it was fright night out there for sure. Don't get me wrong. But like the collapsing and then getting picked up, like Rudy, if you've seen that movie, that football movie, the Notre Dame, anybody like, and then just like kind of like fake passing out. And then of course, like 15 minutes later, like washed her face, all sparkle princess doing the interviews. Like, Oh, my teammates are awesome for it's like Frida Carlson pulls this all the time. Is it, is it just like, I don't know, man. I don't know. There, Other sports there was, are tough. There, there was there was a quote uh nrk interviewed sophia laukley about it and there was there was like a funny quote from laukley where they asked her about jesse diggins and and sophia was like yeah this is nothing new like there's drama from jesse all the time in the in the in the finish i like i don't know man i mean i think i, I think i at some level i agree i'm like this is so dramatic and it's like such a production but you know what i'm like you get second, you, you deliver a performance like that. And you know what? You get to do whatever you want. Like, and, and yeah, sure. Devin, you can, you can kind of throw some shade or. or no, no, no. I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm not poo-pooing. I'm just saying it is a show. It's like, it, it doesn't get any more American than this. And you know what the other thing too is I 100% stand by Diggins is quotes too. And she's like, that was a gritty performance. I had to dig deep. I've been to Ruka. It's freezing. You're going down that hill with one glove shattered and a spare pole that's too like not the right length and all messed up. And then you like you blood all over your face. Like it was gritty. Don't get me wrong. And we've said this over and over. And I know when we had Rosie on, like she was like kind of a little critical of this. It's like, I don't think the other people in the field go less hard than Jesse Diggins. I just think they have a little bit of a different way to hold. Like <laughs> they, they just act a little differently at the finish, like show how hard they do it. And that I totally agree with Rosie, but I'm not trying to take anything away from how gutsy and like hardcore that performance was by Diggins today and I am singing her praises this weekend she was phenomenal but I just think it's funny when like Vita Carlson Jesse Diggins these two especially like I almost wish someone could make like a like um like cut together like some Instagram reel TikTok because a super cut of like just these two women in the last two and a half three years of like these kind of these i know they go deep though that's the thing like they 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 do go to the basement every time but and this one was like well this one is legendary but this one goes i mean when you have blood on your face it's minus 15 celsius you have no glove you have spare poles you're coming second like it it, her her run up into the season she's been such a role model with that it's been very very difficult for jesse and she had a like totally fantastic kusumo and showed a lot of poise, professionalism, and grit. But there's just like, just like when they're hoisting her, you know, like the carrying her, and she's like, kind of like, whoa, whoa. And I just like, it's, it's, I can't not see the movie Ruby. I mean, you know what I mean? The people well, and, I, and, I, and I think what's, I think what is like, I mean, what I would want in that supercut is like, like clips of Jesse, clips of Frida Carlson, and then 
yeah, like juxtaposed with like clip of Rosie, clip of other women like beating them to the Bjergen. finish line because you know, or just like all the Bjergen clips when she's like going zone two and crushing, yeah, everybody. yeah, I like, or or I mean, or even Yohog, or like, oh, yeah, you know, Klebo is like the A1 example of like, oh, yeah, he finishes the race and just or is like, off, like just machines, yeah, and um, and what uh, but but yeah, I mean, I think it's true because what we can say is like it's not like any other women out there woman out there is going less hard. It's just sort of how they manifest that once they cross the finish line. Yeah, and I love it. Jesse has this like unique style. The one thing I wanted to say before we, I think transition to the next part of this um, episode is, you know, when we talk about Rosie, one thing I had this conversation with a, with a coach, I think in Planitza world championships last year, when I was working on a story sort of about, about Rosie, you, you know, as sort of the perpetual fourth place finisher. And there was a comment that someone made that, you know, yeah, Rosie is continuing to get better and she's continuing to improve. I think she's 34 years old now. And yet at the same time, you can't expect that improvement to continue at the rate of improvement that you're seeing, you're going to see from some of these like young up and coming athletes, like Frida Carlson, like Abba Anderson, who are in their like early mid twenties, even, you know, someone like Mo Elar. And I think what's been just awesome to, because, and I think it's, that's, that's true. I think at a, at a certain level, like you kind of wonder how many more years does Rosie have left and and can she continue to improve? And I think what's like so exciting about this season is knowing that whatever the Swedes have been doing for the entire off season, you know, for Rosie to just show up and lay down these kinds of performances, like she hasn't done that before, you know, she hasn't been second place in an individual start classic grace like that. Four seconds from the world champ, like totally. And 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 so it's like, so go on finish your thoughts Sorry. yeah so i just i just think the what what rosie is showing and continues to show is that like these expectations we have about like where athletes peak and and where they at what point in their career they reach their peak potential like i don't think we've seen rosie's peak potential and the fact that like she's wow. continuing to Today like it could be totally this weekend but, could be peak performance i mean come on totally but 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 it might not be you know it's like yeah, what agree, is the I evidence that it is she's 35 She's 35 years old. And the crazy thing is, and I'm so glad you brought this up. We don't really have to, Eric Broughton is going to join us, which is sweet any second now, just so that's that's mentioned. Uh, the men's coach for the Swiss team. But just to finish, wrap this thought up a little bit. It's like Astrid Schlin too, dude. Also 35. Didn't have the best World Cup weekend this weekend, but who cares? Like she's still pretty good. And individual medal at the World Championships last year hasn't been on the World Cup in like, eight, nine years. And the last time she was on the world cup, when she was like in her mid twenties, she was garbage really. And, and like barely not on the world cup, like national group pack fill, you know what I mean? They, these, these athletes are such an inspiration to younger athletes that if you're professional and you believe, and you're willing to do the work, it's not over till it's over baby. And they are getting better. Both those women are getting better. And I think we have this, this is a huge contentious thing in Canada right now. It's just a kind of gold medal pathway. So, but anyway, we can, we can circle the wagons back to that because here comes the men's coach for the Swiss national team that's joining us from the sun. There he is. Look at that face. Can you hear us, Eric? Good evening. I can. Can you hear me? And I, wow. And you still speak such good English, Eric. I'm impressed. 
It's actually going downhill at this point um, because you you get affected by those who are around you. And even though I speak a lot of English these days, you I'm serious. You start to kind of imitate a little bit phrases and stuff like this. And, well, they're on a lower level than me and on the English part. So I actually think I was better two years ago, but that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, Nat, can you introduce our, our, our special guest here for for an, yet another disjointed podcast to to wrap up the Ruka weekend. I mean, I, I, I'm happy to do an introduction here. It's like you're you're handing you're handing the entry. It's like you, this is a guest that you know and that you invited, and I don't know. I only know his profile, you know, professionally. So I'll give it my best shot. And and Devin and Eric, you guys can uh, maybe maybe round out what I am missing here. So uh, we are we are pleased to have this interstitial podcast guest uh, jumping in in the middle here. Uh, Eric Broden is the coach of the Swiss men's team uh, and some, and we, from whom we, I think, saw some pretty solid results of this opening weekend here in uh, in Ruka in Finland. Uh, and, and Eric, I believe, is from Norway and comes to Switzerland by way of Canada, uh, where he was coaching the national team for uh, an uncertain to me amount of time. And I assume that is how uh, four years and uh, thank you. And it uh, my my assumption is that that is how he and uh, Devin Kershaw, the co-host of this podcast, uh, made each other's acquaintances and why he's here now. And we're pleased to have him join us to kind of break down a little bit more of the, the weekend and also just give us a little more insights into the Central European cross-country ski scene how did that how'd that go that was great yeah, fun it's a fun guessing game we're into here and uh, it went pretty well it was good <laughs> great yeah well I'll, I'll i'll piggyback on with what nat said eric really great to to have you join us and it's it's going to be a little bit disjointed as it always is with us nat and i that's kind of our calling card here but um so we'll go break down the races a little bit but before we do that uh great to see you by the way and i really want to ask you like I, just this is this is an impossibly open question to start with and i'm sorry to do this but now if you look at your coaching career in the last six years you've coached the canadian national team we don't need to get all into the details of that but you know what the philosophy is in canada and the athletes that came through there you you were coaching the canadian team at a pretty pivotal moment like a rebuild like a a true blue rebuild of the program where there were no stars and no profiles and not much help for you. You were having to do a lot of this on the national team side. I mean, we we have training centers, and they were they were doing a good job with their development. But but on the national team side, kind of alone. And then you came back to Norway, where you were went from a rebuild to coaching an Olympic champion, Ragnar Haga. And really, I mean, yeah, it was a bit of a mixed bag internationally with her results. But no one's going to argue winning the first ever women's fifty k in Holmenkollen as the Sayonara event. I really want to hear that. And then now you're in Switzerland, which which I have to imagine. I mean, we've texted and I've, I'm, I'm friends with other people that have coached in Switzerland in the past. So I'm kind of aware of the Central European model, but I don't think the listeners are necessarily. So to answer this impossible question, similarities and dis, like similarities between a North American, Norwegian and Swiss model and what jumps out at you quickly as the big, big differences between those three models? Um, 
I think Norway is um, it's just the biggest thing. Like hockey is in Canada, um, and I guess hockey is in the U.S. too. If we're talking uh, winter sports, and it's just uh, not that I don't think Norwegians are doing a fantastic job. But if enough people want it bad enough, the level gets pretty high just by that base. <laughs> and if uh, two, three hundred seriously motivated uh, men and maybe 150 women, 20 to 30 years old, are giving absolutely everything they have to become the best in the world. And you have to remember those 200 people, 150 people I was just saying in each gender it's also, that's after filtering out everyone who couldn't even get to 20. It's not like it's random 150 people. It's the best of the best already. So it's just, it's just everywhere. It's just so deep in the culture that when you, in addition to that, become systematic, professional, and create, a, uh, of course, the system is never perfect, but a relatively functioning system, at least for what we've seen on top sports the last, well, last 30, 40 years, I guess, but uh, the last few years have been very dominating. Um, it just kind of, it just snowballs. It just co- almost gets even better again because the best trains with the best and with the best and the second best, and it just never stops a, a bit, which is internationally almost a problem. But of course, isolated to Norway, it's, it's quite a, why it's working so well, I think. Um, it's more athlete driven. Uh, North America is, uh, cross country is more of a, um, at least the athletes I encounter with was it was always just outdoors people who like competing. <laughs> it was it was it was way more just coming from families and and stuff that just liked to go on go hiking, go skiing, uh, outback country stuff like this, and just kind of got into this. Oh, I'll do this uh, organized in the evenings as I grow up. And and maybe they were good at it and they kind of developed this. Maybe they were they like to compete. Maybe they're just competitive people. And it just came a bit more from just liking to be outdoors, it seems, at least on a general level, uh, and uh, which is kind of great from a health perspective. But it can also be like maybe the most competitive go for it. People are drafted into other sports. Uh, we are a bit more uh, grabbing onto them from a system point early on. So, so yeah, it was just a little bit on the background from of the athletes coming into the national teams that I've been involved in. Then they already done a lot of skiing at this point. Of course, they're they're kind of uh, they're kind of grown up at this point, and that's how I felt like a bit more random <laughs> coming into competitive skiing, versus a bit more kind of well, obviously everyone else did <laughs> uh, kind of Norway uh, system there. The Swiss system is um, maybe on the recruitment side in these in those two kind of uh, variants there, I guess somewhere in the middle on that thing. But you can for sure tell that like the Central Europe base of that everything is like way more connected to the army makes uh, actually quite a bit of difference. This is maybe not so much why you get into the sport. So I kind of shifted the topic there a little bit, but in terms of how they're organized on a top level, the army thing is very driving the economy and and where people kind of what they do on the side. Do you do you take like a couple of classes or do you go to the army, which is uh, quite of a designed 
um, design program to do some good training on the side as well. And then you just have to do a couple of days a year after that to keep that salary and so on and so on. So it's, it's very intertwined. I know it's the same for Germany, Italy and all these systems. So, so uh, yeah, that was a bit of a change. I was just going to ask quickly, this is the famously industrialized and, and gigantic uh, Swiss military. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are um, they're quite heavily involved on the economical side, not in the like what we do or anything, but like almost all athletes have been to the army uh, in this sports kind of uh, program way and have that status and uh, they have uh, economical programs that works back and forth and everything. So it's, it's an important part of the structure and how it's built uh, versus, well, that's not, Norway doesn't have this either and, and not uh, Canada either. Um, it's, just, yeah. it's just funny because, um, I mean, I know we hear about that in like other countries, I think Italy, for example, like they're mm. the carbonary or Whatever, but uh, I think when you, when you think of Switzerland, you do not, your thoughts do not automatically go to uh, robust military infrastructure. I think they usually go to fam- famously neutral and non non militarized. But um, g- good to know that you guys have some cross country skiers that are you know ready and available to guard the borders when necessary. Well, they seem to be able to train quite a bit while they're there. So I don't know how much army stuff they do, but hopefully, yeah. It's the bankers. It's like it's too bad they didn't have that system with like the bankers. So like that would be pretty cool if Switzerland was like differentiated itself from Central Europe. So Italy, France, Germany, they're using like the military, police, customs, and then and then in Switzerland it would be awesome if it was this like Credit Suisse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like well, like not military maybe. whatsoever. It's like yeah, we have this infrastructure where like everyone's a banker, and then they yeah. can do sports <laughs> if they want, and they all get paid for it. But you know why? Exactly. You don't get- being a banker you don't get rich being a banker by throwing money at a bunch of skinny dudes in spandex they, they just oh, train yeah. by by you know skiing with weighted backpacks of money cool totally yeah gold bars yeah no but it is interesting what you say and I, eric i think it, it is like very fascinating to see that because i'm glad you came in on that because that that is something that like i know i've talked a lot with norwegians about it i'm a canadian like we have no concept of this right like zero concept so and it's interesting that at the top level, that that essentially is a a driving force to be able to fund athletes to continue their athletic pursuits and their goals. It's kind of like a safety net in a lot of ways mm. that you can train towards Olympic, World Cup, and World Championship level uh, competitions. But 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 how do you get recruited? Like, how do the kids in Switzerland choose cross country skiing that lead to I'm assuming like when they're done high school or whatever to, to join up with the military to get these, these um, incentives. I mean, like how, how, how do you see that? Cause I mean, from the outside looking in, in the, in Switzerland, I found fascinating as a Canadian that just spent a lot of time in Switzerland. Our base was essentially in Davos in Europe. It, w- it was like these really small pockets. Like people don't really understand how small Davos is. Like Davos is tiny and yet they produce a lot of top Swiss athletes from that valley or the Engadine for example another mm-hmm. valley but these towns have like 2000 people in them like they're not big population centers and i'm i'm not well i mean it is interesting to hear how they continue as seniors to make it happen with the military support and stuff but like how do you see these how did the youth get into this well 
even though Switzerland is it's a geographically a bit interesting country because it's it's far enough north that there are strong winters in the mountains, which they have a lot of. But it is also it's far enough south that the lowland, plenty of parts have seen two days of snow in the last 10 years. And but everything is for sure on a North American scale, extremely, extremely close. <laughs> Uh, I can drive anywhere you've heard of in in like uh, Central Europe in four hours from here. It's basically a roundabout, and and the same goes within uh, Swiss as well itself. Like it's a two-hour drive to Zurich from here, and maybe exaggerating actually. And it's just everyone has. Um, yeah, compared to uh, to Canada, everyone has a maximum of two hour drive to Canmore, and uh, and when you have that, there's so many more people who's been exposed. It's a bit more in the culture. At least you go up there in Christmas or winter vacation or something, and you alpine ski and you try this the other day and you try this the other day. So one thing is, of course, those who actually grow up in Davos, which is uh, compared to who is going up in Canmore or something uh, equivalent to that but it's it's also how many like it, it, it's how many time zones did we have for for the national team in Canada it was four like we couldn't even do an evening meeting in zoom uh, so like it, it it's just the enormous <laughs> geographical differences makes a huge difference and and I think I think that also goes for how they're recruited in it's basically exposure I would say <laughs> uh, everyone has been up in the mountains and skiing at some point in their in their yeah upbringing uh, even if their family wasn't that into that it's just kind of what you do like you have traditions in all kind of countries and even though it's not close to norway in terms of like this is the sport you choose at least people having tried the sport and you do it a couple of times a year and you found it fun and like it's a bit more exposure i would say that's the difference in creating this middle ground between norway and canada for for um for recruitment i would say that is an interesting perspective but in switzerland like i from again from an outside perspective like alpine like swiss alpine skiing is they're the rock stars i mean like the didier couches so like they are the the real big deal and like you said in winter vacation when you're going with schools like it's just like revolved around alpine like the whole alpine infrastructure i i see the draw so it's just like fascinating to me always when you have a limited geographic area of switzerland which is like you said the snow is in the mountains then you have this like huge driving force where like the biggest sports stars of your country are alpine skiers Mm -hmm. and you go up and then you you ski alpine like you get to try alpine skiing and then you come back to the valley bottom and you're like Mm. you know what give me these skinny skis with no edges no fame (laughs) and then i'm gonna smash myself like and breathe hard and sweat all over the place and hack hack it up in the valley bottom. This is the sport for me. So it is it is fascinating because like you are pulling from like while the exposure. While I agree with you, like the exposure to snow sport is high. It's amazing to me that you're able to pull any Nordic skiers really because, like you said, a lot of big percentage of the population lives where there isn't snow and uses it as like ex- exposure, like you're saying. So, but it is fascinating, and I think too like. I was really like Nat said, rolling back to like this weekend, 
what happened on the men's side. We'll just start with the men's side of things. And and some of these guys have had good results in the last couple of years. Don't get me wrong. It's not like there was a phenomenal, it's not like we had a Dario Colonia out of the blue with Switzerland, but, but like, I feel as though like you guys are poised in Switzerland for a bit of a, it's a rebuild, but like a rebuild plus, like you're not mm-hmm. in the same scenario as you were in Canada, where when you first came into Canada, like I said, the juniors were amazing and that we can agree with. When you first got to Canada, like the Xavier McKeevers, Tom Steven, Remy Drolet, like Tony Sear. I mean, like we have we had good juniors. Hey, hey is that Zav wasn't even a junior yet, and he still performed. As no, a junior, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, he was like he was like <laughs> thirteen going to World Juniors and being top thirty. But I'm saying like we had a great contingent of young guys, kind of like Nat the American guys, uh, at the same time, or even like two years earlier than that, like the Ben Ogdens and the Lou mm. Yeggers and the Gus Schumachers and like this era. Um, whereas in Switzerland, like I feel like you're you're kind of on a or you poised to be time will tell, but like, is it exciting to be on kind of like the next step in the development in a way? Because I feel like Valerio Grom, for example, we've seen him in mm. sprints. Like he he's, he's been quite good internationally. He was great in Lavinia last year. Um, but this year, like I, were you surprised to see him qualify fifth? Yeah. Okay. His quarterfinal got pushed around a little bit ended up 13th in, in the end of the day. But what this long convoluted chat is just like how it must be exciting i feel like it's got to be kind of exciting in the swiss men's team right now because some of these guys are poised and it could go either way it, it, it could be the next kurt in peril and and uh those types of athletes maybe not a dario colonia but at least like like the those guys ramo fisher and stuff or it could mm-hmm. fall back to, to nothing who's to say but is what's the what's the environment on the men's team it, 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 people must be psyched it seems pretty fun like how are you welcomed quite well welcomed i would say people are interested in what i have to come up with they are on uh, an average level quite young team but they have their 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 more uh, uh the more kind of experienced athlete in there as well and so it's a nice bridge there but for sure the majority is kind of born in 96 and after um with beda Claire, from today being born in 96 for example um and uh, it's it's a very exciting team, I would say. And like you said, with Valerio, the, I wouldn't say I was surprised. He was struggling a bit with COVID this fall, a little bit late. So maybe I was expecting him to need a couple of more runs before that happened for him. But uh, great that he's already there in terms of that speed. He unfortunately fell in the prologue in uh, the Swedish opener, which uh, I think he, with a, a couple of heats there, uh, would have gotten the boost he now got <laughs> one week earlier, kind of thing, uh, because we need this. Uh, he needs this exposure and training, but he's showing what he has already in that prologue. Even though maybe he needs a couple more runs before he's uh, he's uh, pushing people around in the heats and not just being the first not look lucky loser and stuff like this. So, but no, it's not surprising to me that he is having this level, even though he was uh, jumping straight into it uh, and not needing more time. And Yannick Ribli is too, he's, he's quite strong as well, but he struggled a little bit more with COVID. He's going to need before Christmas, I think, to get back there. But he would not surprise, those two train a lot together. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if also Yannick is, is starting to kind of um, show who he is in the middle of the heats, even though he doesn't, it's not easy to see that in this prologue, he was 50 or something, but but they train a lot together. They're quite similar level on most days. So so I think that's just the, the, the getting back from COVID differences right there. Um, but the rest of the team too, there are very, very interesting. I coach, uh, pers- well, we're one big team and in like the Volsta environment, we train 
women and men all together every week, four times a week. But uh, my personal athletes are seven youth of the tree athletes and they're all just psyched and just like everyone wants to just grab on to whatever they get the chance to grab on to in terms of moving up. And it's a fun environment to be in because they're just, they're old enough that they're, they know their way around, but they're young enough that they just do everything you say, <laughs> uh, good or bad. And it's just, they learn very fast, uh, both for mistakes and, and successes. And it's a, it's a very fun environment to be a part of. When the best skiers in the world want to go faster, they turn to Fisher's Speedmax Helium System. The all-new Fisher Speedmax boots feature an enhanced carbon cuff to provide optimal torsional stiffness and increased power transfer to the ski. The refined inner shoe provides compelling fit and performance. Are you ready to find out how much faster this World Cup-ready combo will make you next season? Go to fishersports.com to learn more about the Fisher Speedmax Helium system. I'm I'm curious is there is there a reason I mean you're you're from Norway center world center of cross country skiing and you know you've chosen to take some jobs in foreign lands outside the country when I'm sure there actually are plenty of coaching gigs in Norway and curious sort of what you've gotten personally out of working in in Canada and and now Switzerland and sort of what you've been like seeking in these in these gigs in different places well one thing is personally in terms of just discovering the world a little bit it uh, doesn't hurt anyone to to um, to kind of be exposed to different cultures a little bit longer than a one-week resort kind of all-inclusive kind of thing in their lifetime. Um, but if we talk a little bit more sticking to <laughs> this podcast topic and like this cross-country skiing, pardon me, as a professional coach kind of um, um, development, I think um, it's, it's um, we, I see everything we do in Norway and I see everything that's so successful in Norway. I talked, we talked about um, the amount of athletes just as a base and then that creates the economy, at least on the top level is, is obviously quite good for this, for this sport and all that good stuff. But then it's still like, not like other nations, at least if we're talking last 15, 20 years have not been pushing us around in different ways here and there from the Devons to the Darius to the Alexis to the the Germans, if we're talking 20 years ago and stuff like this. And uh, it's not coming from nothing. It's not like it's just luck when that happens. So people are training very differently. We always heard in Norway about um, the Russians do this. We never know that that, that's true, of course, but like you hear rumors and Canadians do this, this, and it can be uh, blocks of this or just never hard or just always hard, whatever the rumor is. And it sounds stupid and it sounds this and that because we have all the answers, but they're like, they're still in there as well. And I realized that like, there's so, it's so cliche, but it's so many ways to roam, it seems. And the fascination between discovering a lot of those roads and seeing patterns between those roads, because obviously there are some common ground there, even though the, from the the naked eye, that plan looks just so differently. Um, That was a fascination I had even before I got my chance in Canada that like, what are they really doing? Because 
this looks stupid and they're really good. <laughs> and so am I just classifying stupid as anything different from what I'm used to? Or uh, are they actually doing this or whatever? And you kind of build a little bit more knowledge that, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I, uh, I uh, it's kind of like you know it all. And then you start like the first day of school of something, at least in sports school, you kind of know everything. And the longer you stay there, the less you know kind of thing. And um, obviously not actually true, but uh, your own experience of the situation. <laughs> and it felt like that a little bit. with the, uh, uh, the I have a lot of confidence in what I believe in right now, but I also know that there's so many different ways of doing it that is nowhere close to what I'm, prescribing my athletes so um you get more humble but kind of confident at the same time i guess over time i feel i feel like the longer you stay the less you know could be a great motto for the devin kershaw show <laughs> it makes sense i agree <laughs> you don't come here for the knowledge but one one thing i'm <laughs> here for the hot takes which we're going to get to but before before we do that i before we get to the hot takes i find this this is a fascinating conversation actually um and you made you made a you made, you mentioned this a little while ago, Eric. And I just wanted to hear your perspective. Has your perspective changed a little bit? So, in Norway, of course, like this is total generalization for some of the American um, listeners or Canadian listeners that aren't really deeply in the weeds with high level cross country skiing. This is a generalization. What I'm about to say, but I don't. I know Eric's going to agree with me, and I know Nat will agree with me too to some level. Though maybe he doesn't have the same uh, hands on experience. But <clears throat> there's been. Norwegians coming to Canada and, and and looking at the U.S. system too, it's like a criticism has been, God, these these young athletes are good. Um, they want it kind of, but they don't really know how to go. But they're not really self sufficient, and they want a coach to just tell them what to do. And whereas in Norway, like you are trained from a junior, like by the time you're eighteen, nineteen, like you better have a pretty good idea of like what it takes or what you need to do to be good. And you're, you're kind of given that latitude to make those decisions really early and people make mistakes. I mean, like look no further than Foster's home right now. Helena Foster's home, who's like as a junior was outrageously good. And now like she's struggled the last couple of years, but she kind of, you know, she was given enough rope to hang herself and she, she's dug herself into a little hole and she'll come back. I have full faith that she, if she wants it, she'll, she'll be able to come back. But this is really deep into the philosophy of Norway. And then guys like Eric and other Norwegians before him came to Canada and been like pulling their hair out with the young athletes being like, Oh my God, don't call me asking me if I should do a one hour afternoon roller ski or one hour afternoon run. Like, first of all, it doesn't matter. Second of all, like just decide something. But then you mentioned now earlier that like in Switzerland, you train with your athletes four days a week. So now we're kind well, of like almost no, like a yeah. Russian style. Like, so is, is, is there an expectation in Central Europe that's like, like super rigid? Like you tell me what to do, I win. Like that kind of thing, or is it? How are you able? To, how have you grown in that aspect, or or is it not that? Maybe that's again, like maybe that's a stereotype I see in Central Europe that young developing athletes in Central Europe just want to blindly follow a plan to victory, and that is so the antithesis of the Norwegian way. And you struggled with, I know you struggled with that in Canada, but on a different side, because maybe a bit too wishy-washy, but now, now you're in Switzerland. So is that as annoying or did you feel like you gained perspective in Canada and it's helping you deal with that? Or maybe I'm out to lunch and there is, that's not how it is in the development side of things in Switzerland. 
No, like you're 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 onto something here for sure, and uh, I think at least yes, the expectation here is for sure you get a plan and you you go and do that. Um, it's not as they're not they're, they're not as as extreme and structured like the Germans, but they're for sure more of a German style than a Norwegian style when it comes to systems uh, for that. And uh, similar to Canada, you're more like like you said, you call about. Uh, like uh, it's not a stupid question, but it's the wrong question for sure. If you're doing a one-hour run or a one-hour roller skate, have to do. It's not the difference here at all. Um, so uh, I can answer the question for that athlete, but uh, if he didn't call, he would not choose wrong because there is no no wrong answer to that question. Meaning we haven't fully understood where the differences lie there with that athlete uh, in this hypothetical scenario. But um, it's I kind of you kind of have to meet culture also a little bit there you have to kind of meet them where they are and what they're used to and there are some goods about being a bit more used to you do the program and the good things about it is it's so much easier to create extremely valuable group sessions because everyone will commit to those group situations that you find the most important like speed and intervals and maybe very long sessions that is just good for social company but if we're talking head to head it's good to just see where you level at constantly i think the intervals and the speed sessions could be good and maybe you find core strength very boring and it's better to do it four and four two times a week than always on your own kind of thing so we we created a system in the walls that we've done now where we three days a week have four sessions it's monday tuesday wednesday so monday we have two sessions together Tuesday we have one, and Wednesday we have one. And that's it. And then there might be an additional roller ski treadmill session for me with athlete X over here, but that's individually planned. So we kind of tried to make all athletes do the same Monday to Wednesday. Of course, I didn't mention a second session on Wednesday and Tuesday, so there's always some opening out there already. And then you have four days to play around with. So we tried to do as kind of a basic general e34 session on tuesday as the only hard session we put in for everyone and it's kind of something everyone can make work and the sprinter do something a bit more fast in it later in the week and the, the the 50k guy do something maybe a little different but we created that around that to try to make a good system of starting the week together getting in some key sessions together together and then having the more individualization for four days after and not spreading them out because then you have there's a limit to what you can do if you have a hard session on Tuesday and a hard session on Thursday and a hard session on Saturday. There's not much freedom there, even though you, it seems like it's, it's only three days. Well, those three days are kind of defining everything else. Um, so, but I've, I've come in and I've tried to make a few things, uh, make them a bit more knowledgeable on feeling themselves. So I only had two goals for this season with my group. It was understanding ses- session design and uh, and um, rate of perceived exhaustion. That's about it. So RPE is basically your Borg 6 to 20 or your uh, 1 to 10 CR10, which is basically if how tired are you from 1 to 10 right now? Very, very basic. It's even the basic level before your heart rate monitor. And so the only thing I had a goal of fully making them be on the same level of my kind of understanding of how they should go by the end of this year is telling me how hard they're going right now (laughs) and understanding session design. And by session design, I mean uh, 
rest to work ratio in the interval. Um, and uh, of course, uh, low E1 in a four hour session versus maybe a little bit more high uh, or a little bit more moving, but still easy in a one and a half hour technical session, stuff like this. That's it. That's all I wanted them to know by the end of the year in terms of knowledge. And by doing that, you start already to like, I'm feeling like I'm working very hard today, but my heart rate doesn't go. Okay, that's a new experience for them to kind of, before it was just, I have to go harder, my heart rate is not high. Well, you're working everything you have already, your lactate is through the roof, so your body's not responding. You should have already stopped at this point. So you start to build knowledge around the awareness a little bit of your body. Um, So I'm not having the goal of necessarily making them as extreme self-sufficient as Norwegians are good and bad because you get a little bit creative in your own head sometimes too as the Norwegians can be sometimes but they just have enough people doesn't matter too much if a couple of people fall through the cracks um, but also respecting that um, they're used to getting a program and are trying to at least involve them a lot in why if they know why they can at least arrest me back if I'm not sticking to my own logic whatever that is and at least then we can create together a great plan together. But it's a bit more me giving them a plan and them asking why. In Norway, it was uh, more, I would say, almost the athlete comes with a plan and the coach asking why. That's a great answer. I, I think that that's that's awesome because this perspective, like you're growing, Eric, you're growing. This is great. You're not pulling your hair out. You're you're uh, well, you're in Central Europe now, so you can't have that like mountain bum lifestyle. Now you got to be a little more clean cut and uh, have a bit more. Uh, a nuance in, in in how you do it. No, I think I think it's really sounds like a really great strategy and great philosophy. So it'll be fun to follow along. But I think we don't want to commandeer your time too too much. And some people come here just for the hot takes and some profanity. So while you're here, I think we're just going to quickly break down the weekend as long as you're cool with that. And you can abstain. You don't have to give your advice. Like Matt and I are opinionated enough. So I think we're just going to try and change gears and go a little bit into the races. And Ruka, of course, this is the World Cup opener. We talked a bit, a bit about it already. Um, there was a sprint, classic sprint. There was 10K individual start classic races for both the men and the women because, of course, we have even distances this year. Uh, that's a new rule that came in last year, which is pretty exciting. And now we'll really see how that works. And then 20K skate mass start uh, that Nat and I talked a bit about at the top. So we won't spend a whole lot of time on that. Maybe a little bit, though, because there's some fun stories there. Um, but let's start with the sprints. I mean, the classic sprints, we're going to start with the men and I'm just going to bury the lead. You talked a lot, Eric, about like athletes struggling with COVID and we are getting hate mail from Trump supporters. Like, I feel like the Trump truck is just like backing into my driveway in Norway going like USA chance all the time. Like you cannot believe the COVID hating vitriol that comes across our email. It's actually hilarious. So Maybe I, no, won't tell me about that. What 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 are they saying? Like I don't I, you know. know there's a lot of there's a there's a it's it's um some would say <laughs> there's a there's a pop there's a percentage of the American population that seems to have um moved on from science or <laughs> mm. <laughs> what it is. So but so I'm not going to go deep into that because we don't have time mm. and we want to talk. <laughs> but but but. I'll call it tomorrow. <laughs> but Claybo has had COVID. Okay. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think in general, a generalization is this weekend, he missed by the stolen because he was down with COVID and it, whether it was light, like a cold or, or heavier, like some people get it, who cares? I think it was pretty much on display when they came into that last climb. Johannes Claybo did not have 
the gears that were, I would, I would actually argue that on a course like that, it's the worst I've ever seen Claybo up mm-hmm. that hill. When mm-hmm. Eric Thomas and Jew turned up the jets on that hill, like Claybo could not respond. The other times that he's been beat in Ruka, and he has been beaten Ruka a number of times. One, he looked the wrong way and Bolshinov beat him. And, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and Bolshinov is an amazing classic skier. So you're not getting beat. Like uh, Bolshinov was right there. So let's, let's be honest. But Claybo looked solid. He just got beat um, by a wicked strong athlete that any mm. Claybo made a tactical error. Uh, the other time was, uh, was against Volnis, actually. But again, like mm. not getting completely undressed. And man, I, I don't know. Like, he he's not fully back. I mean, I, I we don't even have to get into how it went in the 10k and the 20k to know. Like even just after the sprint, you're like, oof, he he could have used another week. Like he he looked a little flat. But that said, Valnes, ah, I love this. I just love Northern Norway. I, like I've always loved Valnes and the grit and the power, man. The power that that guy has was incredible. And then Juve, I think it's also really fun that essential European and Juve is really like, of course, man, he's won the sprint globe of late and he's a, he's a parental podium performer now. And I Mm. thought it was a really fun men's sprint actually. I mean, I mean, those, those are the top three. So I'm not getting anything super fancy with that, but I, I was Mm. just curious to hear what you guys, like what, what do you get? What was the big takeaways for the men's sprint for you guys? Those are the takeaways for me. And then of course, two Canadians, I have to say that two Canadians made the heats. I was really psyched. And they get a C. They got a C in the heats. Like they, they had solid qualifiers, and then they made mistakes tactically, and just they weren't strong enough in the heats. But it's the first World Cup weekend; they get a pass. But the qualification looked great for the Canadians, and it just didn't happen. And I'll let Nat introduce the Americans. I'm sure he has something to say about that. But please, what what were you guys' take on the men's sprint? Okay, uh, well super te- uh, quick 10 second about the Canadians. It was at least very entertaining to see how Graham Ritchie was completely sucker punched in the start line there. <laughs> that was insane. No one talked about that in Norwegian commentary at least, but that looked insane. But that was a different thing. He's kept on his feet and he at least managed to fight for it. But that was an interesting start there. That was a red card, in my opinion, from um, the Finn guy. Or, I don't remember who he was, but anyways... Totally, anyway, for those, uh, totally agree, Eric. Yeah. And I'm a homer, so that's why I didn't mention it, but I'm so glad you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that was that was completely out of line. But Graham stayed on his feet. It's a straight, it's straight ahead. He's in his own track, like it couldn't be clearer that you can't just cut there. But anyways, uh, he managed to stay on his feet and at least was uh, fighting till the end. Um, uh, I think... Um, I actually had COVID for the first time myself this fall, and I had a few athletes having it for not necessarily the first time, but... Clabo needs a run through. Like, don't get me wrong. It might be the year where he is not that insanely dominating him anymore, but you cannot know that at this point. He did not go in Baito. He has had no go- uh, run throughs at all. And and that punch in a sprint, you know better than than us just fans here, uh, Devin. Like, it's it's not just you can be as fit as you you want to, but you need a couple of goals throughs to really have that punch in there. And obviously being out of the team and also not being able to race in, in, uh, in Baito and maybe a couple of key sessions lately in that kind of push is probably making him, we we'll probably need to give him a two, three week delay here uh, on showing what he really has this year. If he's going a little bit 
was still able to punch through all those uh, altitude days, but is getting more endurance. We didn't see that at all this weekend, but like that might be something like that. But for now, is making third happen on pure experience? And uh, I would, if I was his competitors, I would think like if he's having any progression at all, that's just what he makes happen in a sprint when he's not even close. So, uh, so um, I wouldn't write the club off to and uh, just yet. Um, I think he will come back quite strong. Not necessarily dominating Valdes, but he will for sure be back in. There is my guess at this point, but it might take a couple of weeks. Um, Rube just been fantastic for so many years now and uh, in sprint mostly but also just a general cross-country skier at this point even though he has his obvious specialization like number four to Pellegrino <laughs> uh, and uh, even though Drew is maybe more at his prime still and uh, Pellegrino is more well overall globe is actually at his prime right now probably Pellegrino but for winning individual sprints is probably just over the top but his experience is making him go to so many finals um so super happy to see that that's in there we need nations central europe nations in there on top that can win every race and stuff like this it's why people turn on the tv to see the sport Jouve is doing that for the french right now great wellness so strong and and uh i know they can't do this and i know i know i would have done the same thing because you have a system and you, but like too bad they didn't make him a spot today because he obviously lost a lot of points in the overall today. So I, I, I understand how this works and it's easy to critique after because there's so many screaming, the best should go. You have the qualification from, from Baito and you do this and you do that. But, when, but, but like you almost have to just go, Hey, sorry, I know we promised you a spot and now we're taking it away from you. Let's find you something else or something. I don't know how you do that with an outfit, but if you're fi- starting to see that you're fighting for the globe, you improvise and you make it happen. Yes. It will be someone screaming and it will, it's a part of the job. It's a part of the job, man. And the most important is always number one. Like we always discuss, if you have a four man team for Olympics, it's always discussing who is number four and who is number five, but number one is always clear. Obviously no one's, no one's arguing if Alex was going to the team for, for, for Canada, it was whoever was number five and four, right? And the same goes here a little bit. You just make it happen when it's necessary. So while Mr. race today, even being number 10 today would have given him important points in that overall. And it might be the difference in the end with uh, maybe even a foreign who is not fighting for his, starts at this point because you're wearing the yellow bib that's kind of their start bib you can just show that and you can start whatever you want until you lose it at least so um yeah that was um but that was a bit of a derail we're talking about friday here he just looks super strong and i think he's going to win that spring globe for sure let's see if he wins the other globe too you'd think that fist could almost uh grant that automatic start rate that doesn't count against your national quota if you're if you're in the yellow bib like that's that's another way to solve that problem just just give norway another start like easy easy um i just really quick my reactions here valness i i was actually shocked to hear this was his second world cup win ever like that is bonkers because i think you know, the guy is honestly been, been pretty dominant. And if you remove Johannes H. Klebo from the mix, like Valnus would be, you know, almost in the mix as one of the best sprinters of all time, you know, based on his results over the past, you know, two, three, four years. And instead, like, you know, you, I, I looked at his podium results on the World Cup and, and, you know, literally everyone except for one, uh, almost it's Klebo. 
one, Valnus two or three. And I think, you know, it, n- nice to see him. And you could see how pumped he was to get that result in contrast to Klebo, who, you know, wins a sprint and, you know, maybe cracks a half smile. And, uh, you know, so nice, nice to see like a different name. Um, couple other quick things. I was uh, devastated to see my man Wang Chang of China getting his first World Cup start in a year and a half. And just he qualifies 32nd, doesn't make the heats. I checked in with the coach of his Akardali team who said uh, they had a really rough day with kick wax and uh, that that, you know, I mean, who knows, right? But sounded like that was a factor. And then also cannot uh, totally miss mentioning Marcus Grot, uh, the the Swede who smashed the qualifier and then smashed his pole. And, uh, and then I guess in post-race interviews was like, you know, I was still the fastest in the qualifier. And everyone was like, who gives up? dude like you crashed out that's a bummer i think the americans just quickly i mean good to see jc schoonmaker and ben ogden uh in the mix you know clearly didn't quite have that last step that you need to to get into a world cup sprint final which is a lot particularly like a world cup sprint final in scandinavia um and then you know kind of interesting to see i mean kevin bolger did not make the heats Gus Schumacher actually was faster in the qualifier than like Kevin Bolger and Luke Jager sprint specialists. So, um, you know, I think both of those guys have a little work to do. Luke Jager had actually a pretty solid result in the distance race yesterday. That was exciting to see. So um, maybe, maybe just to quickly move on to the women's one sprint. Thing, one, one thing before we move on, but we are going to move on to the women. And But the women's story is like not that exciting because the Swedes just not. It was exciting. I mean, the Swedes are dominant like always. And there was some beautiful skiing. We'll, we'll talk about it, but I need to hear Nat and Eric's take on Evanson in his semifinal. How in God's name did he not get disqualified for skating? Um, because he was like totally out of it in the wrong track and decided to skate his way into contention, got into contention and then skied wonderfully to like get through the heats. But I was just sitting there watching that going like, this is the definition of the problem with classic skiing at, with juries. I mean, not only did he skate, without skating, there is no chance that guy gets through the semi. There's no way. He was out of position, made a mistake, and was going to pay dearly for it, and sk- skated his way to glory. and Not to glory, but skated his way to, into position so that he could use his... I mean, the guy's fit. He's He is the next one. He's world junior champion under 23 world champion in sprints. Like he, he won national senior championships in Norway as a junior. I mean, the guy is legitimately legit, but the guy should have been disqualified for skating. No question. And the fact that it wasn't even a yellow card, I just had to, I just want one quick hot take and then we'll move on. <laughs> I think you summed it up pretty well there, Devin. And uh, <laughs> maybe that's enough. <laughs> okay. Well then no, let's it's... move on to the women's then. Women's sprint. I mean, come on, Emma Ribom, amazing. Sundling, amazing. She's done. Look, I almost thought like looked almost a little shaky, but in the final, not shaky at all. Like, super, super solid. Lynn Swan's back in the final, looking good. Frida. I mean, like, this. I feel like we just move right on. I, I, the only thing before you jumped on, Eric, I just said uh, I was really impressed with how J- Jesse Diggins was skiing. Technically, I think it was pretty cool that she made it out of her quarterfinal into the semi, and and just like from a technique standpoint. 
uh, from weekend from weekend one here with Jesse. Like I, I was really, really, really liked what I saw, and uh, I have nothing else really to say about the women's the, sprint. The, we're burning, we're burning time. But yeah, we've we, we, we been going an hour fifteen minutes. But I, w- the only thing I would add is we uh, we saw my Dolphist, uh, you know, multiple. Yeah spring globe winner failed to qualify and you know goes home to sweden after three minutes of racing on the weekend like that that is mm-hmm. grim but i i don't know i mean i have no doubt we're gonna see dolphus back like in fighting oh me neither season, me so. neither but she had a rough october she had a rough october she said it herself um but like not qualifying in the women's field when you've won all those globes i mean no one would expect that and like blaming the skis because i mean that can happen right and even though you're all in the same team you can have like differences of skis, but I mean, I don't think anyone's looking at the women's sprint and saying the Swedes missed the skis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. I think the only thing to add to the, like, it's almost even more of the dominance. Like my Dalkos will be back and we're not even mentioning you on the Hogstrom, who's just like three in the quarter by, and then we, it's just so completely like, we don't remember her, but like these, these two plus the four other, they could have been a six, six, Swedes in the final here, basically. Uh, so, so like the Swedes will continue to be um, dominating quite big a uh, bit here, and uh, yeah, whoever can punch their way in between or even on top, of course, like a she starts something is uh, going to have to fight for her life there. But she's probably up for the task. But the Swedish women, they're doing something right on the well on everything, but especially maybe the sprint here. Yeah, and let's move to the 10k classic for women because, like, speaking of the Swedish team doing something right, I mean, it was another just fantastic performances it's like of course like ebba anderson she doesn't win those gold medals at last year's world championships for nothing i mean like she is the the marked woman in the distance races there's no question and and not a surprise to see her win but i think and again a little bit like volness like what you're saying that with volness and, and clebo it, it was actually ebba with with yoag too for 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 a time there where it's like you forget like Ebba was always second or third, but because Teresa won every single distance race she started, you're like kind of forget. And it's kind of, but so it's really cool to see her getting paid for like the level that she really truly is. And I don't mean paid money. I mean, just winning world cup races, which is what it's all about. That was amazing. We talked a little bit, um, Eric, before you jumped on about Rosie Brandon's fantastic weekend. And I mean, this was, this was the race that opened the account. I think the fact that she was just under five seconds from Ebba Anderson on such a, brutal course in classic um was just i don't know what she would have to say about that performance but i mean i think it's hard to argue that she's won world cups i know but like uh, personally i think this might be like the best the best race of rosie's whole career uh it's no question the best classic race of rosie's whole career at least results wise but not just results wise i think the way she was skiing the way she was holding herself in this competition and to finish under five seconds back of uh a world champion like Eva Anderson. That was, that was a just absolutely beautiful race. We talked a little bit too. We don't need, we're not going to get all into it, Eric, but like she's 35 years old, pretty phenomenal performance. And I mean, the Norwegian women, that was another story for me in the 10 K classic. I mean, they, they just struggled, they struggled in it, but I mean, that's going to happen a little bit. They have a lot of other, they have a lot of athletes coming back off being sick and, and who knows what their skis were like on the, on the women's side. When I see a whole team struggle like that, and I know how greasy it can be in, in Kusumo and, and they're super pro, like, especially the women, the women don't run their mouths like the men. Um, if the skis are really, really bad and I'm not saying the skis were bad, but I'm just saying it, it could have been a, a calamity of small things that were missing, but the Norwegian women, uh, didn't have a great day in the 10 K classic and the Swedish women were the talk of the town again. I mean, 
nice to see uh, Catherine in the top 30, but she wants to be higher up at the, you know, she's also starting her season. You know that Eric, having coached the Canadians mm. and the Americans, I mean, it, it's not, it's not always easy coming from North America and, and jumping into P1. So, so we'll just have to be patient there. What do you guys think about the 10 K classic for women? I like the Rosie situation. It's extremely impressive. She's going to be a force to be reckoned with in all distance races at this point, uh, which is super cool. We see two, two uh, Germans in top six, obviously the lower end of the top six, but it's still just, when you start to have more than one and you have Laura Gimler two and 17, when you have a team like that, it's, it's everything from relay becomes interesting to also like they will alternate a little bit and not be in the same, like it, it, it's a nation who's always in there. You need more people. Fantastic to see that. So yeah, for me, when I look at this result list, it's, it's, it's uh, good on Rosie, Ebba fantastic. She's like you said, like just randomly one of those who have taken a gazillion podiums and not so many wins. And uh, that's just how it goes. The Heidi Wang is actually the same <laughs> a little bit. Um, and yeah, so the Germans and Rosie may be the, the biggest kind of like super thumbs up. And uh, I guess Moa Ilar in fourth, but uh, maybe this is not the race for us to talk about her. Maybe we come to that later. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing to add. I think I'm I'm excited to talk a little bit about the, the men's 10K, which like what an mm. exciting race that was. And I just... I just go straight to it. I mean, watching Evo just what looked like smash it on his home course in front of all the fans only to, you know, be standing there at the finish line watching Martin Lostrom Nianget just take him down and does this amazing kind of show of sportsmanship to go over and, and pat Nianget on the back after he crosses the finish line and then just does the epic pole spike which I, I feel like I heard from so many people who were like that was awesome we need way more of that in the yeah, sport yeah. so yeah props to props to Niskanen and to Nianget. I mean I, I think you know seeing Klebo clearly like off his game obviously the Norwegian men's bench is just so deep it's it's annoying um you know if it's not Goldberg if it's not Klebo it's Nianget if it's not Nianget it's one of these other guys like Valnes in there too on, on in a distance race it's a short distance race but still I mean he's that that he's showing form he's never shown before and I just I really enjoyed watching that race for sure yeah I agree man I, I think I think it was super fun and it's funny to hear, like, I mean, he's playing for the crowd, but you're right. We need these personalities. I'm, I'm psyched that Niskanen is like, he's not shy to like show himself a little bit and, and, uh, you know, get pissed. I mean, he's used to winning at home and, and I thought he looked pretty good in his interviews at the end and stuff. He's saying like, it was the worst race he's ever had and like all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know, man, your technique looked pretty decent for the worst race you've ever had on like, kind of a challenging course. I mean, Ruka is a special course. It's steep and, and, but you do get rest right away afterwards. So it's, it's always pretty tight. And we saw that again, we saw that again here, but hats off to Nienga. I think these kind of guys are, are pretty impressive. Uh, Amundsen, speaking of like the race for the yellow bib, Eric, like Amundsen world junior champ under 23 world champ. And like, he is solid now. Like when you're, when you're in the top yeah. six classic races, when you're, a couple of years ago, we're known as like essentially escape, not specialist, but at the senior level. Yeah. No, not any, not in for his and like a distance guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So like, so I think, I think it's going to be really exciting to see, to see Amundsen throughout the season. Um, yeah. I thought it was just like a, a fun, it was a fun race. I love, I love these individual classic races, especially early in the season when it's so tight, the margins are small. And then 
we're not going to trash him too hard, but we like, <laughs> if you're going to stick your neck out in the media and be a media darling, I, I, I don't think we're going to see Emmett Leverson on the world cup again until I guess after Norwegian nationals at this point, I mean, he, he said his skis were bad and they, they, it's greasy, man. It is. It's greasy in, in Ruka. I'm not going to sit here at home on the couch and argue that uh, Emma Leverson's lying about his skis. His skis probably weren't good enough to compete. That said, um, you can also run. Men run now. And even with like slippery skis or like tough skis, like a lot of these guys can make a lot happen with skis that are a little bit subpar. And I thought I thought he looked really good last last weekend. I thought Everson looked good in Vital last weekend. And and I mean, this was, yeah, th- this is, uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm starting to be a bit freaked out that Emily Everson is crypto, you know, like a lot of hype. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's hot. A lot of babes flock to it. And like, it's like really sexy and exciting. But at the end of the day, is it all hype? I don't know. I guess time will tell. But I think it's going to take a while before we, uh, before we, can see Emily Verson at the on the World Cup again after a performance like that because the bench is so deep. Like you said, the, the bench is just so goddamn deep. It, it's hard. And huge shout out to Gus. We talked about Gus a little bit. I think this is a great class race for Gus. It already looks like the change to APU is paid off a little bit at least this weekend. I mean, he he's he is the next one for for the U.S. No question. And I, I, he was super solid this weekend. And I just wanted to tip my hat to that. And lastly, Xavier McKeever, man. 35th and really tight really like a really tight race like that that was super inspiring by zav and hats off to him these it's tough for these young guys i know last year i was talking a lot about uh about some of the young guys and like it is not easy for these young guys to gain experience the hard way through the world cup and everyone knows my thoughts on that as a development tool but but i i was really inspired to see how zav uh how zav skied out there Uh, that was that was pretty cool so hats off to him I think you're summarizing it pretty well. I think the the, the good thing for for um, for international cross country skiing is that there are eight nations in top thirteen. That's pretty good. Yes, Norwegians are in there and they're two on the podium and everything, but it's easy to get a little bit blinded by it. Like eight nations in top thirteen is not actually too bad. Too bad is no North American nations in that, but hopefully we can make that happen quite soon. But other than that, that's a pretty good number. At least they are competitive even though in the end everyone just see the podium and there it's Norway, Finland, Norway. So, of course, everything looks the same there. But at least we, we have seen races on this level where top eight is seven Norwegians. We're not seeing that here. I think Gus will absolutely, he's doing a good race here for, and like it's a 10K individual start. Like he's, 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 he's 50 to two seconds behind, man, and he's completely invisible. Like it's so tight right now. Like it, it's extreme. So, so uh he's for sure going to be in there anton azir will will for sure he will he'll wake up he needs if he needs a couple of go throughs but he's he's proven what he can do especially in classic i have no worries about tony even though he's probably frustrated he wasn't there already but he, he will he will be at least where he was last year for a few times this year I and agree. maybe a lot of times so i'm not worried about tony at all he's probably just frustrated getting it out of his system and then he's good to go very soon again and show more the top tens that he is um, seeking now and maybe even kind of dream chasing a podium at this point. Um, and like you said, Zav individual start first year senior, and uh, and it's not like uh, in between Torski and the next. Like this is everyone's ready to fight for their lives kind of thing. Totally. And yeah, so what he's doing there is uh, fantastic. 
fantastic start to his senior career, even though it wasn't the first race, he's still let's, in the package of the first races of, uh, of a World Cup skiing for him, and this is great. Totally. And I, I also want to say, like like you said, like Porama, after like his crazy fall in Galavari, I don't know if you guys saw the video yeah. of that, but it's amazing. And the sprint, he just got like totally taken out. It was awesome. Yeah. Not, awesome. Not awesome because I love Porama. Uh, it was hard to see, but it was like almost comical at like how hard it got taken out. Um, but like he's in the top 10. Kyle Halverson's up in there too. And I mean, Musgrave, I, like Musgrave's in classic. It, like he was, he showed a lot of class in Bido skiing super well. And good results but like fifth in kusumo and i'm not just saying that because i've been fifth in kusumo it's hard to be fifth in kusumo man and like it's really hard to be fifth in kusumo when you're like in your early 30s mid 30s as a british transplant to norway that struggled with classic over the years and i know he had some great classic races last year and here and there but but to have a classic race like that in kusumo hats off hats off to to muzzy that was uh that was super solid that you so, want to just like through like the twenties a little bit because Eric wasn't there. Let's call it. Yeah. Good. Well, and and I've got like I've got a few sort of big picture items that like I I really have to go through here. So one that can take us from the ten k to the twenty k. I I I was really amused. There was this uh, there was this sign that the fans had during the men's ten k that showed um, it was like in in Finnish and it had like emojis of like uh the chattering frozen cold teeth face with an eggplant uh and so i you know i try to do some crowdsource translation this was obviously a reference to when remy lindholm the the finnish skier had an an infamous uh penis freezing incident during the olympics uh in beijing and it, it turns out the translation uh which i got some serious assistance from some folks in canada and in the northeast is uh it just was like does it suck and i, I think the answer to that question is clearly and and it's it you know just to segue into the 20k there there were more freezing incidents uh today as well like it, this was like headlines across Scandinavia with with Kala Halverson saying basically I'm glad I already had my two children uh and and Remy Lindholm suffering like another another snafu here I, I don't know like Devin as a former World Cup athlete I mean I can say the first time I raced in spandex nobody warned me that this could be a problem and like just sort of uh, don't need to say any more than that it was a problem and I, I you know I know having raced for a while like cold weather and it was cold in in Ruka this weekend like and these guys are going like 40 50 miles an hour on a downhill like you gotta you gotta take some precautionary measures and I, I don't know if there are any special extra precautionary measures that you ever took as an athlete that you might you know throw out there to these guys that are having repeat I have here's, here's that here's the hack first of all it had to be Cali didn't it like if it was <laughs> Scully Alverson freezing his dung. Oh my god, the guy can't the guy can't take a break. Like just the editors, the sports editors at like the Norwegian tabloids, just like they're like, please be Cali, please be Cali. It's Cali. They're like, thank God. <laughs> no, but the precautions are like I so in Russia, um in Rybinsk, I yeah, like the only distance race I won in the World Cup was a 15k skate, and skating is worse than classic for freezing your junk just uh, so that's because you're just exposed baby you're exposed to the wind every every push you make but of course you have like wind boxers so like craft and swix they all make these like wind boxers where they have like protection 
in the front and that works usually great but in that race in in rush i think it was like minus 19 or minus 18 and windy it's like then you know what you got to take the roll of duct tape and you've got to duct tape over your wind shorts that's the that's the move and if you do that and freeze your junk then you're you have you should you should be in you should be in porn because you're obviously your junk is so big that's hanging down your leg and you <laughs> didn't cover your it didn't cover the the, the duct tape job you did because like you you're fine with with wind shorts and duct tape in these extreme cold temperatures you're totally fine but minus 15 never had a problem i never, never had a problem with like and I, I we were never sponsored by craft but craft craft wind boxers i can't i can't say enough like i have two children for sure because of those craft wind boxers and they they're amazing so if you're worried about if you're worried about the the boys get get, get out to the store and, and purchase a pair of those but like yeah, it was it was looked pretty cold out there, and that sucks well, that it happened again. Like, come on, man, you didn't learn. Like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, come on. <laughs> well, you're painting pictures with your words, uh, Devin. It's, you're quite a poet, and uh, I think yeah, I think but I think you're spot on here. It's it's uh, uh, and every year, every year, they're surprised in the first race that it's like yeah, you have to wear a little bit more than your than your thinnest base layer. And you have to wear more than race gloves. Like I don't like racing with mittens. Yeah. Do you like having your hands? Like it's 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 an option here because it, it's it, every year they're just a surprise. Like I always race in this. Well, what kind of st- like you don't go in spandex when it's twenty degrees? Then you go in shorts. You adapt to the environment. This is this is the same thing. It keeps going all the way to the to the to the cold uh, limit here. And and yeah, so it's every year the same story, and I get that sometimes because of humidity and of course wind, because uh, from some angle you will be attacked, even though you're wearing wind boxers or something. But overall, people just don't know how to to. They have to re-experience how to dress themselves under minus fifteen every year, and it's um, it's um, it's um, yeah. Uh, kind of the frustrating to to be to, to watch this <laughs> i just i just feel like i mean personally having experienced a couple of very cold episodes myself like i didn't have to learn you know multiple times it's like that happens to you once it's like a pretty you know you you the other option i i always took was like you can double up if you have two pairs of wind briefs and like you know that takes care of things. Okay. That's probably enough on that subject. The one other thing I needed to get off my chest sort of between the 10 and the 20 K US ski and snowboard live, which is the platform for live streaming cross country ski races in the U S we have heard from Keegan Randall and Chad Salma as the announcers on Friday and Sunday, they had a new announcer all by himself Saturday in an individual start race, which I think, you know, I'm about to like go off here and I want to be clear. Like, I think this new announcer they had on Saturday, who I'm not going to throw under the bus by naming them. uh, This guy was doing the best, best he could, but there was some really egregious stuff going on where like he, we, we kept hearing about Levo Niskanen, Levo Niskanen. And then we heard about Martin Nygaard, not Martin Nienge. And I'm like, whoever is responsible for organizing this program, you need to make sure that your announcers, like we don't talk about if, if we were watching football and you heard about like Tom Gravy or basketball and you were hearing about like Steph Furry, 
like you would be you would be done you would be you would be back in the minor leagues like announcing games for like the skokie illinois you know corn harvesters or whatever and and i just like this is unacceptable give these guys a pronouncer's guide so that you know you do not have to inflict grievous grievous emotional harm on the listeners who are you know just trying to take in a cross-country ski race here so please get it together um i i actually sent some direct feedback to the company that uh is responsible for this but like you know us ski and snowboard this is your brand it's being dragged through the mud when this happens and uh i'm i can i can stop there no but i love it because this is uh this is uh on point for, for the pod and actually like cross-country skiing is heat bag enough guys like you gotta pronounce like if you're being paid to be on like an announcing a race yeah nianya and ivo niskanen th- this is the minimum guys <laughs> like you got you you gotta you gotta know it but speaking of the 20k we gotta wrap this up super fast because it's already way too long but jensen man jensen winning with the smartest race of ever by just sitting in the pack no wrong moves the entire way and this is what's so fascinating about these norwegians that never get chances and you have to be so deep into skiing to know who Jan Thomas Jensen is uh you know he's wins scans cups he wins Norwegian cups but like never gets the opportunities at the big show and then barely got this opportunity because shoot off I got sick again and had to sit out the last minute and not just comes and like makes a whole bunch of mistakes like no one put together a, well maybe Rosie Brandon in the women's side of things that put together such a beautiful race too but like this was this was a masterclass in tactics and played to his advantage played to his strengths undressed the guys at the end takes his maiden victory and i thought it was really cool that max novak i mean you know you have the champ michael um, oh my, my michael novak oh my god max novak is the is the uh swede who gambled on he's the pete rose of cross-country skiing yes that, that that's true people Max Novak. So if you're if you're a fan of Max Novak in in um, long distance like the ski classics, he has bet in races he competed in, got caught, and somehow walked away with a slap on the wrist. Whereas like Pete Rose in baseball is still not in the Hall of Fame. Anyways, Michael Novak second place, Czech Republic on the podium. Pretty boring race all around, to be perfectly honest, on the men's side because they're all just kind of chill and they know. Uh, you had Niang tried and, and uh, you know, had a bit of a gap for a bit, but on that half pipe course, not two and a half K it's, it's never going to work. And uh, you had an exciting last lap, but aside from that, I mean, I wasn't that thrilled, but I thought the podium was really fun. And I, I it's, it's uh yeah, it was, it was pretty rock'em sock'em out there. I don't know. what do you guys think? Interesting race. And, uh, and uh, because Niang, Together with um, oh, help me out here. Who's the 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 Vermeulen, the Austrian? Yes, exactly. He, the, we actually kind of stayed in there extremely well. And up for Surprising. like it's extreme. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he wasn't well. Obviously, he was a bit of a hot head, but he at least held himself up and got a good position in there. That's kind of worth mentioning after a so nation who need a little bit of a rumorize uh, up to a good uh, good rumor here again and this was a good performance so credit is is deserved i guess um 
got a little bit uh, there, but like, I also, I, I have to admit, I, aren't we done doing mass start skates in Ruka? Like uh, you have to have a pursuitor individual start for skate in that, that course. It's, it's just, reach, I guess reach, there is so mix. Exactly. Like I just, I just mass start skates. You need a certain width. You, you have athletes in 20th who's been fighting their ass off for totally agree. three laps and 20th is a good position in a different course. It's something you can completely have control of the night being ready to go 20th here. You are on the mercy that no one is doing anything at the front because if you're not top five, six, you, you, you just have to hope that the one in front of you is good to go. Well, and even so, that, like yeah. Eric, like poles are smashing all over the place. Like top guys, poles are exploding. Like I agree. Ruka 2.5 K men's mass start skate. Stop it. Not Just the format. Stop. Yeah. You did pursuit if you have to do skate mass start in some format, but that's not a pursuit at least. Do something. Mm-hmm. I agree. Not the not the venue. And then we, we but, uh, yeah. well the the one thing I think the one thing we can throw in there from the women's race was that we did hear from from Rosie Brennan uh kind of some, yeah. some interesting stuff. Uh she basically said, you know, she was not just sort of quietly in a wily way biding her time for the entire 20k and waiting to pounce on the last lap she said she she almost like took a crash on the first big downhill and and ended up sort of way back in at the at the back end of that lead pack and was kind of struggling to hang on for a while until kind of gradually it sounded like she started feeling better and and kind of had a little bit more juice for that final lap so i know people were kind of wondering about that and it felt like that that was useful information to share i mean like totally gutsy race from rosie and jesse today so yeah that was that was fun i feel like i had i had like one other oh i mean we saw our first dq for floros this weekend like this poor ukrainian athlete who clearly you know, just didn't have his skis cleaned well enough. I asked Fis about it. Fis was like, we did, you know, share a whole bunch of information with teams and have like workshops about how to make sure your skis are clean. But like, that's a bummer. It's my understanding. Um, I, there's one of the Ukrainian athletes that I messaged with and she was saying this was like the only World Cup of the year that at least like her, the women were doing and I assume the men too. And so to get, you know, to, to be from Ukraine and you know, those guys are sort of fighting for starts and like, um losing out on an opportunity like that i'm sure that was like a huge bummer and it's just like why can't you just give the guy another pair of skis is that really is that really so hard but um you know understand you got to have rules for everyone and um yeah so we've been going like an hour more than an hour and a half so maybe we better epic man we got to shut that we're just gonna like do the hard exit eric yeah thank you so much for joining us man so good to see you good luck we're cheering loud uh, for Switzerland, don't eat too much cheese fondue. Just kidding. Eat all the cheese fondue. You know, get it in yo. Get it while the getting's good, buddy. So, you can't uh, you can't cheese fondue with brown cheese in Norway, right? Like that would oh, be gross. No, so no, you got to do it with the Emmentaler and like the Gruyere. Like just do do it upright. But uh, really good to see you. Good luck, man. And I'm sure our paths will cross. Thanks a lot for joining. Thank you for having me. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back. 